Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope Community Church. We're glad that you're with us today. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we, uh, <laughs> I guess I've got all kinds of thoughts floating through my head as we gather together for worship today, virtually as we have been, and as we will be through the end of January, at least, it looks like. Um, and I suppose with all those thoughts, it might be best just to pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, we thank you today for the opportunity to to gather together to celebrate the victory that you have won for us in Jesus Christ. This victory that today should uh, shape the way that we uh, relate to you and relate to each other. God, you know that so often we live our lives uh, differently than that. So often we, uh, we're aware of the fact, as we sang in the song before, that we are full of earth and dirt, but we forget that we are full of you. God, so often we live as if uh, this world is all there is. And if, if things are going to be right, then we've got to make it right. And we've got to uh, grasp power. And we get so anxious and we get so fearful when things aren't going the way we want them to. And Oh God, would you please help us? Would you please help us to live with confidence in you, in your power, in your mercy, in your grace, in your presence with us? God, these are uh, trying times for us as a nation. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide those who serve us in Washington. We, we pray for our president and for uh, our leaders in Congress. We pray for uh, the president-elect and his incoming administration. God, we, we lift them up to you like scripture tells us to, so that we might live lives of peace, so that we may have opportunities to share your good news with the people around us so that our lives might reflect your grace and your love. Help us, God, not to fall into the world's trap of returning evil for evil, but help us, God, to be part of the great work you are doing of overcoming evil with good. So, God, I pray you do that in our own hearts, that you would set us free from fear or anxiety or anger, that you would help us to see the people around us, including those who disagree with us, those who we feel have wronged us. God, that we might see them the way you do, that that you might fill our hearts and our minds with love for them, that we might be conduits of your grace into their lives. God, we we need you to do this for us in our relationships, in, in the ways that we interact with each other. Uh, Whether it's face-to-face or over the phone or online or however it is that we interact with people, God, I pray that, that we would look like your kids. That we would be a people who are full of grace, are full of your love, a people who are able to be patient with others because you have been patient with us. Thank you, God. Thank you for this season that we find ourselves in, in the Christian calendar, just coming out of Christmas. And here we are in this season of epiphany where you, Jesus, are revealed as King of all kings, as Lord over all the nations of the earth. So whatever happens in our nation's capital, we know who sits on the throne. We know who has our ultimate allegiance. And we know who rules and reigns over all things. It's you, God. Thank you 
for inviting us into this unbelievable relationship with you where we can give ourselves wholly to you, fully to you. Because you have given yourself fully to us in your son, Jesus Christ. And you have poured yourself out into our lives by your Holy Spirit. Would you please grab hold of us today? Help our hearts to be undivided, our allegiance to be uh, completely yours. Thank you, God, for the victory you have won over sin and death and the devil and everything else that might pull us away from you. Thank you for the love that you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we offer this prayer. Amen. That's what we're praying for is peace. Thank you to uh, all of you for joining us online today. Uh, we've got a, just a couple of announcements real quick. Uh, we would love to know that uh, you are with us today. Uh, I can't look around and see who is joining us online. And so if you would be willing to go to livinghope.info connect and just let us know you're with us. You can also drop a comment uh, there if you're on Facebook or YouTube or the Church Center app or wherever you happen to be watching, livinghope.info live if you're there. Uh, let us know you're with us uh, just so that we can... I guess, smile and know that you got to connect with us today. Uh, of course, we would love to hear more from you than just a, hi, good morning. And uh, so if there's any way that we can be praying for you or celebrating with you, please let us know that uh, at livinghope.info connect. It's like a little digital connect card. And uh, you can just let us know what's going on in your life, how we can pray for you, how we can celebrate with you, whatever it might be. And uh, we would love to be able to do that. Um, you can also continue to give online as you have been. Thank you to those of you who faithfully continue to support the work uh, that God is doing through this church uh, here and around the world. Uh, I've got a board meeting tomorrow night where we're looking over the financials and, and uh, uh, setting the budget for this coming year. And uh, as I was looking over things, I was just encouraged uh, by how generously you continued to give, not only to this church, but to the work that's being done through this church around the world and here locally. Uh, the thousands of dollars that you gave to Habitat for Humanity, uh, the money you continue to give to our sister church in Hammond at the Mission Church, the Good Neighbor offering, the, the hundreds, thousands of dollars that you guys gave to make sure that our neighbors have a chance to keep their, uh, their heat on and their medicine purchased and their rent paid through the winter. Um, thank you for giving so generously. And uh, so yeah, if you want to continue to give, obviously you can go uh, there online, livinghope.info slash give, and you can do that. Um, or you can, uh, you can always mail checks or something like that, I suppose, too. Uh, all right, uh, we've tried something new as the year's begun with this uh, daily morning prayer time. And uh, I've heard from some of you that you found this very helpful. Uh, I've not been trying to keep track of how many people are, are watching or following along, but every now and then someone will comment uh, on one of the videos or someone will shoot me a note uh, with that Connect card and say, uh, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, it's really helpful. Um, you can catch it live any, well, I say live. I often have to pre-record them because at 7.30 in the morning, I'm usually getting the kids uh, done with breakfast and getting them ready to take to school or that kind of a thing. Uh, but two mornings a week, Tuesday and Thursday, I actually have the chance to be present with you live. So um, this Tuesday and Thursday, we're going to try something where after the morning prayer time, which frankly, I will probably pre-record again, uh, but I'm going to be here at the church at that time. And so right as, as soon as that thing ends, if you would like to hop on a Zoom call with us and uh, be able to interact and uh, I could pray with you, pray for you, uh, I could hear how God's been at work in your life, hear the specific things that you would like prayer for, and we can just pray right then and there. It'd be just like on a Sunday morning when you, you catch me before or after the service and tell me something and we get a chance to pray together, um, I miss that opportunity. So this Tuesday or Thursday, as soon as that 7.30 prayer time ends, which they're like 10 minutes or less, so like 7.40, 
Uh, if you go to livinghope.info slash Zoom, it takes you right to the, the Zoom room and, uh, or Zoom meeting or whatever you call that stuff. It connects you to Zoom and connects you to me and connects you to anybody else who might be uh, connecting with us that day. Um, so I would love to, to have a chance to connect with you this Tuesday or Thursday morning at around 740, 7.45. Um, but any, any morning or any time during the day, I know there's some of you have told me like, yeah, I, uh, you know, that you were mentioning how much you appreciated it. I was like, oh, great. And then you told me more. And you're like, yeah, we watch it about 10 o'clock, you know, or uh, I'm, I haven't heard it yet, but I'm, I'm sure there are folks that are going to be watching it like three in the morning or whatever, you know, that previous morning's uh, prayer time. It honestly doesn't matter when you pray as long as you pray. Our hope is that this is an opportunity for us to, uh, to be praying together as a church, praying some of the same things, and, uh, and priming our minds to be paying attention to the things of God, to the way that God might want to speak, the ways that God is already acting in our lives. We talked about that some last week. Uh, oh, so let's go ahead. Let's get into the message this morning. Um, today is Baptism of the Lord Sunday. Uh, I don't always pay, pay a whole lot of attention to the Christian year, but uh, it's hard to avoid with, uh, with Advent leading us up to Christmas, and then you've got the, the season of Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas, and, and sometimes that's just kind of where I leave it behind. But uh, this year I've gone ahead and I've said, oh, wow, Epiphany, that's perfect. And last week we looked at how um, Jesus was revealed uh, as King of Kings to the nations of the world. We looked at that story from Matthew, how the, you know, uh, the Magi were paying attention to what God was doing in the world, and that led them to the scriptures, and that led them to an encounter with Jesus. And that was exactly what I felt like God was um, wanting me to be saying to you already. So I'm like, wow, this is perfect fit. God is actually, you know, knitting these things all together. And then today, with baptism of the Lord Sunday, we skip from Jesus' little baby Jesus to grown-up Jesus, and, um, and him being baptized uh, in the Jordan River by his cousin John, uh, we're going to see Jesus revealed as the Son of God. And, uh, and that honestly fits really well together with some things I'm wanting us to do as well, as we're trying to imagine a, a new kind of life that we might be able to live in this new year, uh, that, that leaves behind some of the mess and some of the lies we may have believed uh, in the past and fully embraces God's truth about who we are and who he is and his love for us as we move forward in 2021. So let me read to you from, uh, from Mark's gospel. This is in Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 4. It says, and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now, this is an unusual story in lots of different ways. I mean, John's an unusual character. They tell us about what he was wearing and what he ate, which was odd stuff, but it's linking him with the stories and the descriptions of some of the prophets in the Old Testament, people who had been used by God in mighty ways to call his people back to him, to call them to repentance, to call them to a changed life. And that's what John is doing, and he is pointing the way toward Jesus. John the Baptist appears in the beginnings of all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this episode appears as well uh, in some fashion. Um, 
And uh, there, it's a little bit different in each one. And it's, it's an odd story because, you know, John is calling people to repent, to confess their sins, to, to have those sins washed away in the waters. And, and, uh, and Jesus comes to be baptized. But Jesus doesn't have any sins to confess. Jesus doesn't have anything he needs to repent of. So why is he showing up to be baptized? In, uh, in Matthew's gospel, he tells us that John the Baptist objected. He's like, oh, I should be baptized by you. What are you talking about? I can't baptize you, Jesus. And, and Jesus convinces him to go ahead with it. Because Jesus is understanding that this is a sign of his solidarity with sinful humanity. But this is why Jesus came, to identify with us, to enter into our brokenness, uh, our sinful existence. He's saying, I'm standing with you as one whose whole life and existence is dependent on the grace of God. I commit myself fully to turning toward God, to listening to his voice, to doing his will. I mean, Jesus is modeling for us what it looks like to live a life that is Holy his, you know, as we sang about earlier, this, that I am wholly yours, fully yours. And as he does this, he, he hears God's voice. I mean, he has this vision of the heavens torn open. You know, this is the, um, the, the space, but it's like this is God is in the heavens. This is kind of how it's imagined, right? This is the picture of the world that God is in the heavens, and they are torn open. So it's like you can see straight into the presence of God, and the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove, and a voice says, you are my son, my love with you, I am well pleased. I think it's John's gospel that lets us know it. It's not just Jesus who hears this. John the Baptist mentions hearing this voice, seeing the dove. And, um, but Jesus himself hears this from his heavenly father. What an amazing thing to hear uh, from, from your dad, period, right? I mean, I think about that sometimes as a father now of, of almost five-year-olds. Five David and Jonathan will turn five uh, this Wednesday. It's crazy. Um, but I think about the kinds of things they hear from me or see in my face, and I know that sometimes that's not what it should be. You know, sometimes what they see looking at my face is frustration or anger about something they just did, and, and I'm working on that as a flawed human being, as a flawed parent, trying to make sure that, that, um, that those kinds of images aren't the most that they see, that mostly what they see from me is, is a face that, that loves them and that they're hearing words of love, that they're receiving my embrace and my kisses and all the rest, that they know themselves to be loved by their dad and know that I am pleased with them, know that I love having them as my kids. Um, this is what Jesus hears from his heavenly father, hears from God himself. What a beautiful thing uh, to think that as God looks at him, you know, as his face shines upon him in that blessing that comes from Scripture uh, that we use often at the end of our services, that as God looks at his son Jesus, uh, it's a face full of love. And the words that he hears are, I love you, you're my child, I'm pleased with you. Or some other translations, I, I take delight in you, you bring me joy. Now let me tell you a beautiful thing, and you may already be aware of this, but you might not, that your Heavenly Father says that same thing to you as well. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, then God has adopted you as his child. In fact, that's why Jesus came in the first place, why he met us in our sinful humanity, so that we could be set free from the shackles of sin and embraced by our Heavenly Father, adopted into his family, so that we could know that the God of the universe is not angry with us, but is for us, that he loves us, that he is reaching out to us in love. Listen to how the Apostle Paul says it in his letter to the Galatians. Um, he says, when, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, 
prompting us to call out Abba, Father. Abba was the, the Aramaic word for dad. It's prompting us. So the spirit of his son, he places in our hearts, prompting us to call out dad, father. He says, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. And he goes on to talk about all that we will inherit from him. All that, all that belongs to God belongs to us because he has adopted us as his own children. Some of the translations that you might encounter yourself as you maybe look up Galatians chapter 4 in your Bible or some of these others that we're going to look at in a moment, talk about adoption as sons or adoption to sonship. And there's a part of me that at first I always kind of thought, eh, I prefer translations that make it real clear, you know, that this is for sons and daughters, that this is for all of us, not just for the boys. Um, but um, but I've, I've learned that there's a specific phrase that's being used there by these uh, writers. And because uh, in those days, if you're adopted as a son, that carried with it more rights and privileges than being adopted like just as any old kid. Um, that this adoption as sonship was a specific kind of adoption that says, nope, this one is going to carry on the family business, the family name, the family fortune. This one is important to me. This one matters to me in a way that these other kids frankly don't. All right? I don't, we wouldn't say that today, right? Of course. But, but back then there was like a distinction that was made. Uh, people could adopt one of their, one of their employees or one of their um, uh, workers or even one of their slaves. They could adopt them into the family to carry on, to lead in their absence. And this is what God has done for us. He's adopted us as his very own children, made us his heirs, embraced us as his children. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, uh, we're familiar with some of these verses. Uh, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, We know that God works all things together for good for the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. We know this because God knew them in advance and decided in advance that they would be conformed to the image of his son. That way his son would be the first of many brothers and sisters. He's saying that you and me, we can trust that God is working things out for our good because God knows us. He decided in advance to adopt us into his family so that we could be conformed into the image of his son, so that we could look more and more like Jesus, so that Jesus could be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. Jesus becomes our older brother. In addition to being our Lord and King, he becomes our older brother. We become adopted into God's family. Some um, theologians have said what, what Jesus is by nature as a son, we become by adoption. That we become God's children because he has adopted us and he has welcomed us into his life, into his family, that we are his heirs. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 says uh, in verse 4, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. This is the picture that the Bible gives us repeatedly of how God views you and me. As we trust in Christ, as we turn from our sin and turn toward God and say, Okay, God, you're right. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I thought I was just doing this life on my own. Now I recognize you know, Jesus has been revealed. I've had this epiphany, this realization that you really do love me. You sent your son Jesus for me so that the power of sin could be broken in my life and I could be set free so that you could embrace me and adopt me as your child. Moving into 2021, I want each and every one of us to have that experience and to have that awareness to have that picture in our minds that this is who we are. You are God's child. If you've trusted in him, uh, 
Now, all of us start out alienated from God, but that's why he sent Jesus, to rescue us, to bring us near, so that we could be embraced and adopted as his kids. It's like that story Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. Sorry, I'm deviating from the notes here, but uh, where... Uh, you know, he tells that story of the prodigal son, the younger son and the older son, and, and the one that says, Dad, I can't wait for you to die. Give me, give me my inheritance now. And he wanders off to a distant land and squanders it all. When he comes back, repentant, saying, I don't, I don't deserve to be called your child, but please, if you'll let me work in, in your house, I, I know that you're kind to your employees, and I know that I'll at least not starve to death. When his son comes back remorseful, the father in that picture runs to him and embraces him, and throws a party and says, my son who was dead is alive again. He's, he was lost and he's found. And this is how our Heavenly Father feels about us when we come back to him, when we return from our long absence of thinking that we know better than he does. He embraces us and he welcomes us home and he makes us his children. So I want us to, to see this and to know this because I know that many times we go through life with very different pictures of who God is or how he feels about us. Uh, it's the new year. We're all thinking about things that we want to do differently, uh, changes we want to make, whether that's, uh, you know, physical diet, weight kind of things, or whether it's the way we live life. Some of us, many of us have bad habits, destructive habits that we're hoping to, to say goodbye to and, and new, better habits that we're hoping to say yes to. Just talked on the phone this morning with someone struggling to give up smoking, and, uh, uh, but she's determined. She wants to give it up and for her health, for things that she's got going on. And, uh, you know, we all have things that we'd like to see different in our lives, and this is something God wants for us too. You know, what, what did we just read? That, that he decided in advance that we would be conformed to the image of his sons. He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He wants to transform our lives so that we can look more and more like Jesus. So how does this happen? Um, what happens in part as we begin to imagine this possibility for ourselves. Um, as we begin to think, wow, is that really possible? Can I really live that way? Because as long as the picture in your mind is, nope, I'm a failure, I can never do it, I'm just a slave to these passions and to these bad, bad uh, habits or addictions or whatever they might be, I just can't change that. As long as that's the picture in your mind, that's what you're going to stay locked into. You're not going to experience the freedom to walk into some new life that God has planned for you. We have to, well, we have to... Uh, experience what Paul says to the, the people in Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, I was just reading from a moment ago, a few verses later, starting in verse 17, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. This was his prayer for them, and it's my prayer for you and for me, that we would have this wisdom, this revealed to us, that we might know God better as our loving Heavenly Father, that we may have the eyes of our heart enlightened so that we can know this hope, we can know the riches of his inheritance, we can know his great power for us who believe. You may have felt powerless against the, the life you've been living, powerless to change. Well, guess what? God has power for you that he wants to give you, to help you to make those changes. You might think there's nothing positive waiting for you, but no, look, there, there are the riches of his glorious inheritance as a part of his holy people. This is for you. There is hope that he has called you to. And it starts, he says, he, he's praying that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened. 
the eyes of our hearts. Now, obviously, that means it's different than the eyes you know, on your face, the eyes of your head. He's saying, I want you to be able to imagine this, to be able to picture this. The eyes of your heart, uh, Christians down through the centuries have, have used that as a way of talking about your imagination, that you can envision this. Now, some of the stories we read during Advent and, and Christmas talk about visions. You know, last week, the Magi, I think, uh, I think it was, uh, it said that an angel appeared to them in a vision and told them not to go back to Herod, so they went back by another route. Uh, you know, uh, Joseph, Mary, both had visits from angels, so did the shepherds. And I know that kind of thing does not happen to us very often. You know, we don't have these visions. Most of us don't, anyway. I, I don't. Uh, maybe you do. But I don't very often have these kinds of visions. But the idea here is that he wants us to be able to picture something different, to have a vision of your life that is different than it is today, to be able to picture yourself living as God's child. Instead of just picturing yourself as living like, well, we talk about the American dream, right? That's a dream. That's a vision. That's a picture we have in our heads of a future that we would like to experience, uh, whatever that might be for you, right? Uh, we have these pictures in our head that, that draw us toward them, that, that pull us forward, that, that help us to make choices to, to move us closer to that reality. You know, if your dream is to, to own your home someday, then you're going to be caring about your credit score and, and you're going to be working on your income. You're going to be looking for that, that house in that neighborhood and you're going to be checking the little realtor app on your phone and seeing if that house you love is finally on the market or whatever, right? It's going to impact the way you live your life because of this dream that's been placed in front of you. If, you're, uh, if your dream is to get promoted at work, if you've got your eye on that, that next rung up the corporate ladder, then you're going to be doing those things that you know your bosses are watching so that they can help you, you know, so that when the time comes, they might consider you for that promotion. Whatever the dream is that we have in our heads, it, it pulls us toward it, and it, and it helps, helps us navigate the decisions we make each and every day because we have this picture in our head of, of where we want to go, of the person we want to be. And what I'm encouraging us to do today and throughout this year, really, as we, as we start this new year, is to, is to have a picture in our minds that, that lines up with who God says you are, who God says I am, and who God wants us to be. And today, we're thinking about, okay, so God wants me to live as his child, as his son, as his daughter. He wants me to see myself that way. He wants me to imagine that that is true about the relationship between me and my heavenly Father. And so we need to have our, well, we said it last week, is it Romans chapter 12 that talks about not conforming to the pattern of this world, but having our minds renewed so that we can know God's will? We need our minds renewed. We need the eyes of our heart to be enlightened. We need our imaginations to be set ablaze with this picture of who we could be uh, that maybe we haven't been willing to imagine before, or maybe we just never thought to imagine. You know, maybe there's a life that you know God wants you to live, that you've just not ever really pictured it. You know, as a, I mentioned myself being a dad to these two boys, you know, to have a clear picture of who I want to be for them. Um, <laughs> actually, just, uh, just now I'm remembering uh, something I had read years ago. Uh, I was reading parenting books and trying to get ready for, for this whole thing. And there was someone talking about, um, you know, the way that we picture ourselves and how that impacts the way we respond. And there was a parent who was having trouble responding in a loving, caring way to their child when their child frustrated them. And for whatever reason, this person decided, you know, what would Mr. Rogers do? What would Fred Rogers do if a kid was acting like this, you know? And, uh, and he thought, well, Mr. Rogers would, would get down at that kid's level, would kneel down and would give him a hug, this kid who's acting out, and say, 
you know how much I love you. I love you so much. I'm so glad you're, you're my kid. He said he wouldn't yell at him. He would, he would do something like that. And so this person, this parent, had that picture in his head that I want to be like Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I want to be like this with my child. And you know what? The next time that child started to act up and that dad started to feel that, you know, whatever, you know, anger start to well up, that picture flashed into his mind like, well, what would Mr. Rogers do right here? And he was able to, to shift gears and to get down on his knee in front of his child and to embrace them and, and to tell them how much he loved them. And, and that child who was acting up started to relax a little bit and started to respond to that father's voice and to his instructions because he had this picture in his head of who he would like to be. He wasn't just thinking, oh, I shouldn't be angry. He actually imagined responding differently. I want us to be able to do that. I want the eyes of our heart to be enlightened so that we can picture a life that's different than the life that we've been living. We can picture ourselves responding in that moment of stress differently than we have been. We can picture ourselves uh, tuned in and listening and responding to the voice of God when he nudges us instead of just kind of pretending that or, or going through life assuming that like, well, God doesn't really speak to me that way. Uh, let's, let's imagine ourselves differently. Let's set our minds on the things that God wants for us and, and have a picture in our minds of, of what that might look like. Now, I, I read from Romans chapter 8 earlier, and, uh, and earlier in that chapter, um, the Apostle Paul uses some language that I think is helpful for us. Now, it, it gets a little technical, it gets a little strange, uh, frankly, because he talks about uh, the flesh and the spirit, and, um, and even different Bible translations have struggled with what to do with this, because when he's, he's contrasting the flesh and the spirit, and sometimes uh, we can have this tendency then to think, oh, the flesh means like our physical life here, like my body and the stuff that I'm made of matter, where spirit is good, matter is evil. And we know that that's not true from Scripture, that God created uh, everything that we see and everything that we experience. It created us. All of creation is, is made by God, blessed by God. That God is present. This is God's creation. And so we know they're not saying that. And, uh, but because we can have that tendency, there are some translations that will contrast. Instead of saying flesh, they'll say sinful nature. Or uh, another one I saw this morning, it's actually a translation I, uh, I like generally, but they, they translate it as selfishness. Um, that a life of selfishness instead of a life set on the flesh. And um, so I... I doing that little uh, warning ahead of time before I read this, because as I read this, I don't want you to think, oh, this is saying like we ought to be just spiritual and focus on spiritual stuff and not focus on like physical needs. That's not what he's saying, all right? Romans chapter 8, he says, starting in verse 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See how kind of confusing that is? (laughs) Frankly, to me it can be. Um, He's clearly contrasting two different you know, and opposing forces. The flesh, which is pulling us away from God, this selfishness, this sinful nature, this tendency toward sin, and the Spirit, the Spirit of God that is pulling us forward into this beautiful new life. He's saying we have the law, and the law, and if you read Romans chapter 7, he talks about how the, the law makes us aware of our sin and, and aware of our, and we become aware of our uh, inability to follow God's law and our inability to, uh, to please God. And he's saying, look, the, the law couldn't make us better, couldn't change us, but the Holy Spirit can. 
And so God sends his son uh, to, in the likeness of sinful flesh, you know, as we just talked about with him being baptized, that he, he joined us here in our, in our sinful humanity to be a sin offering so that sin could be condemned in the flesh and the righteous requirements of the law be fully met in us who aren't living according to the flesh but living according to the spirit. Now here, this helps me the way he talks about it next. So in verse 5, he says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So now again, he's talking about our minds, right? Which is what we've been looking at. Our minds could be set on the selfish things, on the things that we want, the things, I suppose you could think of the flesh as just like life apart from God, right? And so we just, if we just have our minds set on that, or our minds governed by the flesh, he says that's death. That's leading us away from God. But if instead our mind is set on what the Spirit desires, if our mind is governed by the Spirit, that is life, that is peace. It says the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Saying, look, you are not uh, in the realm, in the kingdom of the flesh. You are not ruled by the flesh. You are ruled by the Spirit of God. It's another picture for us to use, you know, to help us see ourselves the way God sees us. We have been purchased. We have been set free. We are no longer slaves to sin or whatever selfish, sinful desires might have governed us in the past. We've been set free by God's Holy Spirit. Um, he, he goes on, um, where does he say? In verse 12, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but not to the flesh to live according to it. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And he uses a different word there for body, the misdeeds of the body. Put to death those, those misdeeds that you've been doing. He says, you'll live. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That's that's the beautiful picture that I want us to hang on to. That you are God's child. And so we can have our minds set on the spirit. And you have some control over what you set your minds on, over what you focus on. You know, we, we don't have to uh, let our minds be governed by the flesh, by sin, by those evil desires. We can allow our minds to be governed by the Spirit of God as our minds are renewed day by day. What was it we looked at last week that talked about us uh, contemplating the Lord's glory and being transformed uh, into his image as we do so? So we have the chance to, uh, to focus our minds on the face of God looking at us with love. We have our, our, an opportunity to focus our minds on the truths of scriptures instead of the lies that we've been told, that change is impossible. Um, we, have, we have an opportunity to, to imagine a life that is pleasing to God, to have a picture of that life that draws us toward it, instead of just all these other pictures that might be given to us by other people or by the world around us. So what I want us to do today uh, as we wrap up the message and as we prepare, in, in just a moment we'll pray and we'll celebrate communion together. We'll have one more song before we do that. But first, 
I want you to practice a little sanctified imagining. Um, uh, use the eyes of your heart for just a moment. All right? I want us to go back to that image uh, from Mark's gospel of Jesus being baptized. Of this moment where Jesus says, okay, God, I'm fully yours. Um, I'm listening to your voice. I'm going to do your will. He joins us dirty, rotten sinners there in the waters of baptism. And as he does this, you know, the heavens are opened, a dove descends, and the voice of God says, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I want you for a moment. Maybe you need to close your eyes. I don't know how, what you want to do to try to picture this. For me, that helps. If I close my eyes, I can picture something more clearly. I want you just to, for a moment, imagine that you are in that setting. That you have just gone down into the River Jordan to be baptized. It's muddy water. It's not clean. Uh, but as, as John the Baptist has poured that water over your head or dunked you in or however it was that that took place, as you are coming up from the water, you have a vision of the heavens torn open, of a dove flying down toward you, and you hear the voice of your heavenly Father saying, you are my child. I love you. You bring me great joy. In you I take delight. Imagine for a moment that you can actually see the face of your heavenly Father shining toward you. And the face, the expression you see on that face is not frustration with your failures or your inability to live up to his plans for your life. The, the look on his face is not anger. He's not looking for an opportunity to condemn you. But instead, the, the expression you see on your heavenly father's face is one of love, of compassion, of care. A face that shows that he, is, he cares about what you are going through. He cares about what you're experiencing here in this life. That he is with you. That he loves you. You might even extend the picture for a moment to imagine your heavenly father reaching down and embracing you. Drawing you into that enormous hug that some of you maybe never got from your earthly parents. Today, God, would you help us to see ourselves clearly as loved by you? Would you help us to be able to picture it? Would you enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we may know this hope that you've called us to, the glorious riches of this inheritance that you have for us, the unbelievable power that is present, that's at work in our lives? Help us, God to see ourselves as we, as we look ahead to this coming week, as, as we look ahead to this coming year. And some of us already have given up on the possibility of change because we know ourselves. We know how every year we want to make changes and every year we fail to do so. God, would you help us to imagine something different this year, some new possibilities because you love us because your power is at work in our lives, because you actually want us to look more like Jesus this year than we did last year. Thank you, God. Thank you that out of love for us, you didn't keep your distance. You didn't just shout commands from heaven, but you came to us in your son, Jesus Christ. You entered into our broken humanity, even to the point of death. You have joined us there. 
and you have filled our broken humanity with your light and with your life. You have healed what is broken. You have brought life from death. You have shined your light into our darkness and given us hope. Thank you, God, for defeating the powers of sin and death and the devil in your son, Jesus Christ, in his death and resurrection. We celebrate that today in this sacrament of communion. We offer to you the gifts of bread and juice that we're going to consume in just a, just a couple minutes. We offer these to you and pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. God, we offer you ourselves. We are fully yours. You have us, God. You know our sins You know those things that have had a grip on us in the past. You know our failure of imagination that has led us to live lives so much smaller, so much less than what you would have for us. God, today we come to you acknowledging all of that and praying that by your Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of your Son, at work in our lives, that we might see ourselves transformed, that we might experience your grace, your forgiveness, the weight of those past sins, the the shackles being, being taken off, the weight being lifted, the guilt washed away, the shame evaporated because you have embraced us as your sons and daughters. Help us, God, to live this new reality of people loved by you, empowered by your Holy Spirit to live a new kind of life, a life that reflects your grace and your love to the people around us. Thank you, God. Thank you for this amazing grace that you've shown us. Thank you for purchasing us, valuing us so highly that you would would send your son to pay such a high price for us, to set us free. Thank you, God. We pray all this in his name, amen, amen. Uh, would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to join us uh, in the celebration of communion, I invite you uh, to, to, if you haven't already, to gather bread, to gather juice. Uh, This is an opportunity for us to prepare to meet our Savior at his table. Um, On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, gave thanks, said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. So let's take and eat the bread. After supper, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood, the new covenant, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. We do remember and give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for joining us in our humanity and making a new humanity possible for us, a new way of living here in the world, a life that is wholly open 
to the love and the grace of our Heavenly Father. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we might know ourselves to be children of God, so that we might live in the world as your kids, Father, as members of the body of Christ, your hands and your feet. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.